So, Diane, Danielle, I never asked you if you'd share your testimony you shared with me last Sunday. About what? About your legs and God touching you. I just got to find a button. Yep. Can everyone hear me? <laughs> um, so... I had been exposed to chemicals at work and was having some respiratory issues that I knew were from that. So I asked the pastor to pray for me, and I had this sudden and severe tingling in my calves. Like, he'd take his hands off, it would stop, come back on, it'd start again. And um, what I hadn't told anybody at all, and I'm just, I, I'm just going to witness this out, is that I had been sleeping in about... Two thirty-three o'clock every morning had been woken with, with my feet curling inwards, like severely. And I was born club-footed, so I was concerned, thought it might be a Charlie horse. But there were zero um, knots in my muscles. So I couldn't figure it out. I didn't know what was going on. So he prays for me. This sudden tingling happens, and I was just sort of taken back by it. But not only have I not had any more respiratory issues associated with the chemicals I was exposed to, but uh, praise God, I haven't had any issues being woken up at three in the morning with my feet curling in either. Amen. I'm healed. Thank you, Jesus. And that feeds right into what we've been talking about is the authority of God. And it's not the pastor that does it. It's everybody, every son and daughter in the kingdom has authority to speak to things. And we're growing in it. Carol was in bad shape a month and a half, two months ago, and God led her right out of it really fast. And, and so more and more of that stuff is happening, which is really cool. So we've been talking about authority You're going to witness a miracle this morning because I'm only going to talk for about 20 minutes on this and we're going to close. And I say that with the authority of God on me, so I'm looking at the clock and I will shut up about this at five after, if I even make it that long. But there's a couple things I wanted to put on the end of it because it wasn't finished yet. But the first Sunday we talked about understanding authority increases our faith, the story of the centurion that he understood what it was to be under authority and to have authority. So Jesus didn't even have to come to his house to heal his servant. All Jesus had to do is say it, and that saying the command would come into the house and heal the, the servant. He didn't have to lay hands on him. He didn't have to anoint him with oil and do all that stuff that we tend to want to do today. The last story, the last story was about... The Mida story where the servants are all given a Mida and they go out and they do it and they come back. And because they were faithful, trustworthy with the Mida, the master then gave them, the king then gave them cities to be in charge over. The way we grow authority is by faithfulness. Okay? You don't get it by talent. You don't get it by your giftings. You get it by being faithful with God. Last week we just talked about all the different verses and places in Scripture where 
God gives his disciples authority, and Jesus talks about the ones coming after them who believe will have this kind of authority. So, this morning there's three places I want us to go to quickly, and the first one I'm going to talk about takes a lot of meditation, and I haven't got taken the time yet to sit down and really start asking God and listening to him and what he's got to say about this. But you hear me quote this verse quite often, and this has to do with the spirit man in us because we are really more spirit than we are flesh, and we forget that just about all the time, right? And yet we were created spirits, and we just had a body hanging on the spirit. So, and it says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. If the church believed this, we'd live different lives. But the reality is this morning, your body's sitting on a chair, and your spirit's here with you, but your spirit is also with Jesus, seated with Jesus in heavenly realms. But we're so westernized, so science-oriented, that we have a hard time handling that. We understand our five physical senses, but we don't develop our spiritual senses at all. So we live a physical life down here without the spiritual component in it very great, very big. So if we are seated with Christ in heavenly realms, then we need to know where Christ is in the heavenly realms, right? Because when we read that, we will be next to Christ there. So let's grab the clicker and move on. Ephesians 1, verses 20 to 22. This is Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus and also the church for, or for Cold Springs Christian Fellowship. He's talking about our, the eyes of our hearts being enlightened. He's talking about that power that raised Christ from the dead. And we'll just pick it up in verse 20. He exerted when Christ was raised from the dead and seated him. And where he's seated, you're seated, Right? At the right hand, at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So where's Christ seated? At the Father's right hand. Where are you seated? With Christ at the Father's right hand. We're not waiting to do that. That's the way it is now in our spirits. Far above, far above rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but, in, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. I'm looking at a bunch of amazing people who are seated in the heavenlies in a place of authority. Amen? How much authority? Well, Jesus said, I have all authority. We looked at that last week, right? Notice Jesus is seated. His work is done. He died, paid the price for our sins. He went to hell at some level. He was risen, and he went to sit, to rest, to be with the Father. We are seated with him, far above all rule and authority. See, when I say the church fears COVID, but COVID should fear the church. This is what I'm talking about. There is no rule and no authority 
no power, no dominion. I might have to shut up here because I'm going to go too long. That has power over you. We are part of the kingdom of heaven, the dominion of heaven. And that completely trumps the dominion of the kingdom of darkness. So the lawlessness today and the COVID that's going on in our country, if the church would rise up and start speaking to it, and we'll talk about that in a minute in another passage of Scripture, its life would be hard here on earth. All right? It wouldn't want to be trying to mess with the church in the, or with the United States because the church in the United States rises up. And I'll just quickly say this. This is as political as I'll get. 20 million evangelical Christians in the United States don't vote. There's probably another 20 million of them that aren't even registered to vote. But they would tell you how anti-abortion they are. It's time the church gets engaged, not just with politics, but in the heavenlies and in the ecclesia we're going to talk about next. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Nice generic question. God's headed somewhere. Jesus is headed somewhere. They said, and, and you will hear this today about Jesus. You can ask people what they think about Jesus, and it's all over the board, right? Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Here's the question that every human being has got to answer. But who do you say that I am? Okay? This is what i got to answer in my life. And if I really believe my answer, my life will follow my verbal answer, and my actions will fall in line with it, and authority will follow that. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Did Peter believe that? Yeah, Peter believed it. He gave his life to it. He had a wife back home, and he was following Jesus. Now he had time at home with his wife, but it cost him family time to follow Jesus. So Peter was paying the price. Now, what God's going to say to him next is really cool, but before the end of the chapter is, is over, Jesus looks at him and says, Get thee behind me, Satan. Okay? So Peter was a lot like us. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. Church can get in the mold and become worldly, and we can start putting our dependence on education. And education will affect thought lives. But we need the next part of this, which is, but this, this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Revelation is heart. Education or information is head. Yes, they work together. But I'm not here to educate you. I'm here for God to flow through me, and hopefully you catch the revelation. Because we get information, and if we don't meditate and work with that, it'll be forgotten. And it has a little effect on our life. But all of us know times that God has revealed stuff to us, and it has changed us from the inside out. 
Yeah, it changed our thoughts, but it changed the thoughts from the heart. You can change your heart from thought life if you meditate. But you've got to meditate long enough to get it from the mind down to the heart. They say the longest 18 inches is from your brain to your heart. Okay? We want that revelation. See, the the authority we carry is going to have to be revealed to us. Otherwise, you're going to go out and try some things that God's not in, and you're going to fail and say, I knew that wasn't true. You've got to live with it. It's got to churn in you. The healing of our hearts has got to live in us. We've got to give time, God time. It took us a lifetime. It took us 20 years to mess up our lives, and we want God to come instantly and heal us. We generally, that that can happen. I'm not saying it won't happen, but most of the time, God works in us, and it's a time process he works us through. And through that, we learn things. So we want the revelation of God. We want the rhema word of God. And I tell you that you are Peter, or the rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. What's the rock? Some denominations would tell you the rock is Peter. But the rock's not Peter. The rock is revelation. The church will be built by revelation of God. And when we have the revelation of God, the gates of hell will not overcome it. The gates of hell have been trying to overcome the church now for 2,000 years. They haven't done it. The church, even in the worst of times, there was remnants of the church who believed in God, who were experiencing God, who carried it through and evangelized. Okay? Satan, hell is invading our lives. And here's the question this morning. With all the stuff going on around us, how's our peace walk? Because the world doesn't have peace. The media and parts of the government and health department are doing their best to make you fearful. Even the campaign ads now that are on TV, that when they come on, I just mute them because I'm sick of them already, is all about fear. You better fear Biden. You better fear Trump. You better fear Peters. You better fear James. And it's like, cut the fear stuff. I don't want it. It's not part of my life. It carries no influence. The gates of hell cannot take away your joy and your peace. There are people who have died and who will die today for Jesus Christ because they won't deny the name of Jesus, because they've had a revelation like Peter of who Jesus is given to them by the Father. And the time will come, and they will die, and they will die with joy and peace. History of the church is filled with people who are martyred for Jesus, who die preaching or singing about God. So much so in the Reformation time, they cut their tongues out so they couldn't talk or sing anymore. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What are keys? Keys are authority, right? I can't come and get into your house if the door is locked and do it legally. I can bust a window and I can come in, but I would get in trouble. But if you give me the key to your house, then I could come in to your house legally. Or if one of you tell me to go out and move your car after church, but you don't give me the key, it's not going to happen. I have to have the key, the authority to go out and get in the car and start it to move it. Right? Keys are authority in life. Jesus is giving the church the keys, the authority of the kingdom of heaven. 
The kingdom of heaven has all authority and it has all power. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. The more correct reading that everybody would, even the ones who have it written like this, will have a little note to it and say what it says in the Greek is whatever is bound in heaven, you can bind on earth. Whatever is loosed in heaven, you can loose on earth. Whatever is permitted by heaven, we speak it, and it's permitted on earth. Whatever is prohibited by heaven, we speak it. It is prohibited on earth by God speaking through us to it. Quickly, on the rock I will build my church. The church word here for church is ecclesia. The ecclesia is a gathering or the assembly. There is governmental kingdom of heaven, governmental power on earth for the church. Got to move on. Can't do these justice. What we did this morning, you could do as just singing a song. Man, I wish this thing would get over. I want to get on moving on with things. Or what you did this morning was a powerful weapon of God when we praise God. Psalm 149, verses 6 through 9. May the praise of God be be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. How many of you were carrying a double-edged sword in your hand this morning? If you were praising God, you did. You may not recognize it. And here's what it's all about. Listen to the authority come through this. To inflict vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples. Mainly talking here about spiritual kingdoms, but it can apply to earthly kingdoms. Your praise this morning inflicted the vengeance of the kingdom of heaven on nations and people, the punishment of the kingdom of heaven. To bind the kings with fetters, kings would be higher up in the demonic kingdom or could be earthly kingdoms. They're nobles with shackles of iron. You did that this morning if you were in worship and praise. I don't care what kind of worship and praise it was. It could be 300 old hymns. 300-year-old hymns or a 1,000-year-old hymns or the latest contemporary worship song that came across, or you could sing your own song to the Lord, it all happens, okay? In the church or at home in your bed in the middle of the night when you can't sleep. To bind the kings with fetters, their nobles with shackles of iron, to carry out the sentence written against them, this is the glory of all of his faithful people. Praise the Lord. What's your glory? That you get to execute the kingdom of heaven on earth. You've been given the authority. But what do sons do with glory? They give it back to the Father, just like Jesus did. If you're a son that wants to hang on the glory, then you, your heart hasn't grasped sonship yet. Okay, got to let this stuff go. My time is up. I told you, there's your miracle today. You can go home and say, I've seen a miracle in church. Brent, shut up. Moving to ordination now and, and what we're going to do this morning. And let me just tell you, start off, I feel totally inadequate to do this. I told God that, and God just laughs and said, but I said you could do it, so do it. So we'll do it. In the state of Michigan, local churches can ordain their people. When we left the Mennonite denomination, I lost my credentials through the Mennonite church. So what happened is 
the leadership team, the board, had to put in their minutes that I was ordained by Cold Springs Christian Fellowship to do this. So, we are part of Harvest Alliance, an association of churches that COVID has slowed its formation way down, but we are a part of it. So, I have talked to Cameron, who is one of the leaders of it in the United States, and told him what we were doing, and asked if they got any pathways to ordination they're doing, and they, he said, no, it's to the local church. So, by the state and by the association of churches over us, we have authority to do this. A couple of things here, verses we want to move through to help explain how all of this comes about. Acts 13, 2 and 3, which is in Antioch Church, which is a church that has been prophesied over us several times. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, not people, it was the Holy Spirit speaking through the people, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Who did the calling? God. The group they were with, which was about five or six people, at that point, who were leaders in the church and prophets, heard the Holy Spirit say this. So after they fasted, they prayed, they placed their hands on them, and they sent them off. And that was the first missionary trip of Paul and Barnabas. What I want you to see here is the church they were a part of was a part of their calling, wasn't it? God just didn't speak to Barnabas and Saul and say, I want you to go. God spoke to the leadership of the church and said, this is what Paul and Barnabas were, are about. Now, about eight years ago, one day God spoke to me about our leadership team because I used to have the older people of the church. Somebody want to get Carol Miller and her group in here? And God said to me, I want you to change your leadership team, and I want you to start getting the younger ones on it so they can learn what it means to be a leader in the church. Because at that time, I had a couple of my brothers and some older people in the congregation on it. So we started to work at listening to God and saying, which ones do you want to come and be on this team? Now, I have known BJ since he came out of the womb. Okay, Jonathan was... Six or seven years later, he started coming out their house, and BJ started going to their house. Tabitha, age 12, church camps and whatever, and started to get to know her. We knew her, her uncles and her dad and mom before that. Joan Bree showed up about seven, eight years ago. I'm not sure what it was. And I brought them on the leadership team. I wasn't sure why, but it was for... Things like today. And God's not done doing that yet here. So we need to hear the voice of the Lord and produce leaders in the kingdom. There is 1,700 pastors a month resigning. There is always need for pastors. Now, we're doing it different. We're doing it as a team. But the need for real leadership in the kingdom of heaven that is about the kingdom of heaven there's a very real need about it today in every denomination, in every flow of Christianity. So this morning, we're going to anoint, lay hands on, and pray for them as they do this. 411, we are a church that believes in the fivefold ministry. 
that Paul laid out by the Holy Spirit back in the church at Ephesus. And just because a lot of the church changed doesn't mean that the calling on a church has changed. So Christ gave, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his body for the works of service. Who is supposed to be doing the works of the service? The fivefold ministry or the body that they are preparing to do it? See, in America, all the church culture is the leadership of the church does it. And I just go on a Sunday morning and take what I can get, and then I go home. That is not what the church of Jesus Christ is about. You are to go and be prepared, ask questions, let your heart become surrendered to God. I just read something this morning that was really good. It was, if you want to know what it's like to be a leader in the kingdom of God, this is not verbatim, but the thought of it. When you are able to serve the one who is going to betray you, you're ready for leadership in the kingdom. Jesus and Judas. And Jesus gave him the bread and the juice. And hours later, Judas betrayed him. Leadership includes disappointment in people. It's just people, people, people aren't perfect. Christian people aren't perfect. They're going to disappoint you. And some of that's because of what you've done and expectations you've got in your heart. Some of that's because... Sometimes it's just hard to like people. You've got to love them with the love of Christ, but liking people is a whole different thing. Until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of God. The church needs to come into the full measure of Christ. That's a high expectation of the Holy Spirit on us, right? That's a high calling for the fivefold ministers to go. Now, do we have fivefold ministry yet in this church? We're close, okay? But we haven't got it all there, but that's what my prayer has been, and that's what I ask God for. We desperately need an evangelist to come in and, and be a part of us. You can turn off the verses now, Jonathan. So, a couple of questions I want to address, and then we'll move on to ordination. Because people have been asking, well, what are you going to do, Brent? What's your role in the church? So this is my role in the church. Number one, I'm a son of God, so it doesn't matter what my title is, right? Because my sonship is a whole lot more than my, my identity or my destiny. I love being a son of God whether I'm a, a pastor or an apostle or the biggest name in Christianity today or if I'm a nobody. I'm a son of God. Heaven knows me. My Father knows me, so I'm satisfied with that. The title I gave myself to help me understand what I'm going to be doing is I am a relational apostle. What does that mean? Well, I'm not an apostle like the 12 apostles and like Paul, okay? Those apostles started the church. Apostles today don't do that. Apostles today, if you look at the truest meaning of the word, is to bring the culture of heaven on earth and to be fathers. Okay? We have a relationship. 
I don't claim any authority over them. Okay, if you really want to be an apostle, you would have more authority than I'm going to have. But I do have authority in my relationship with them that when I speak, they listen and value what I have to say, just like I have done with them for the last eight years. Okay? So there's relation, and Diane and I will carry on with some things in the church that we do now. So the relationship is there, and we will continue to give counsel. There is no authority in it. If I wanted authority, I would still remain the head dude here. I don't want authority. I've talked to several pastors who are older than I am, and they retired when their energy ran low. And that's me. Energy's run low. Your vision goes with your energy because vision takes energy. And it's not correct to have other people furnish the vision and you hang on to the authority. That's not Christ-like. Can I get an amen? You can't do that. That's what you call control. That's not kingdom stuff. That's demonic stuff. Number two, we are a ecclesiastical incorporation in Michigan, which means we have bylaws and we are incorporated. I am the CEO of this church. I have offered my position to the leadership team. None of them want to take my position. So I will still be the legal CEO of this church until they decide what person's going to take my place and whenever they do that. That shows the kind of relationship we have, that they're not afraid of me pulling strings and trying to hold authority over them. So other than that, Diane, I might do some church openings. I'm going to speak once in a while. My ugly face will be the first one that greets you when you come in the door a lot of Sundays because I'm taking on the role of greeter in this church. I know it's not glamorous, but we need one. So that's my job. And I enjoy meeting all you guys on a Sunday morning because we're family and family likes to see each other. So if the Carlisles and the Cornels and BJ would come up here.